Good morning, Babette Ben Susan. Welcome to my podcast. You don't know what you don't know. Couldn't be more excited to have you on. Finally, oh, I'm delighted. I'm delighted, and I'm really worried that I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> don't worry. You don't have to worry because you don't know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no worries required. Um, Babette. Look, you're one of my favourite people of all time. Just a bit of background. Babette coached me, I think, maybe six years ago. And um, we just had an instant connection. And the, the, the thing that appealed to me, to my personality, was um, I don't think that tough love is the right word, but it was like this, this authenticness, um, um, realness like just honesty and truth and um you really helped me to unveil or uncover a lot of the um the fog or the blinds or the shutters i had around me you know and and some of the stories and discussions that we had that you know i would speak to you and your response or reaction or your questions around that really um allowed me to dig further into understanding about my, more about myself and it Hand, hand on my heart changed my life and this is why we um, I still feel so connected to you and I love spending time with you even though you're not coaching me anymore you know it's just yeah. isn't it interesting when people say oh okay you have a coach and all this but just I couldn't let go of the cord I don't know why it feels like our friendship and relationship has just continued to develop from there and I count my lucky stars because it's so great to have someone in your life that is a strong female role model. Yes. I always look for that in my life and to, to be around those people that I can continue to learn from. And I think you, you are that for me. Oh, you, darling. So, uh, look, I, I admire you. Um, it, first of all, it was always a privilege to coach you. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, what you've just said, because it made me realize something that, even though you said you felt that sometimes I gave you harsh reality or, or you know, the cold hard facts or, or whatever, I, I realise now that why it worked was because I never judged you. It was mm. always in an atmosphere of non-judgment. Yeah. And, and I realised that you can tell people the truth or you can question blind spots and assumptions as long as we don't do it in a judgmental way yeah and you know what for someone like me i i wanted that i was seeking that and it's um i didn't find it confrontational at all no like the things that you brought to my awareness i was really grateful because it just opened my world up in a way i never thought the, the thing is, I think a lot of people have these issues of, of wanting to know more, wanting to delve more, wanting to understand. But I've, I'll never forget when I was studying coaching, someone said to me, what was the difference between, you know, why come to a coach and what was the difference between a therapist or a counsellor, coach and friends? So the explanation was, that a therapist will try to heal your past so that you can move forward. Friends and family will give you their opinions of how they think you should be living your life. Mm. A coach has only one objective, to move you forward in a non-judgmental way. So in other words, how do we get this person, how do I get this person to move forward to achieve their goals? Mm in an environment that's safe yeah and you know what it's um actually i should explain just a bit of background on you babette before we get into because we're going to discuss a lot about coaching and the coaching industry so but i think it's good to explain that you're you know you're the founder of the mind shifts group you've been 25 years consulting in um strategy and competitive intelligence and you've been coaching probably for about 15 years is that around yeah, yeah. 10 15 years 10, yeah 15 that's about years. Right. yeah and now you currently do both yes still. yes um we'll, we'll talk about consulting and business and strategy a bit later but let's just go back to coaching yeah the industry is growing really rapidly 
you know, I think it, even when I first even was aware of coaching six years ago, it, there was a lot of stigma around it, you know, and that could be representative of my own issues as well. But um, um, there was a lot of stigma around it and not many people had coaches. But now, fast forward, and I always go back to the talk I saw Brene Brown give out business chicks when she said she had three coaches. I was like, what? Like uh, different parts of her life she was getting coaching in. And I thought... One of my biggest things was coming to terms with the fact that coaching or investing in yourself is not an act of um, narcissism. Not that I would have used the word, but sometimes you can think that over-analysis into yourself can lead to over-analysis. Mm. Uh, look, um, first of all, Brene Brown may have three coaches. I've got two. So I have one coach in, based in Canada and she is my coaching supervisor. So um, whenever I have uh, issues around clients or I feel as a coach I didn't do the right job or with the client or how would you handle something with a client or something's come up. So uh, interesting enough, both my coaches are called Michelle. <laughs> Same so, name, that makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, Michelle in Canada is my coaching supervisor. Um, and she's doing a PhD currently in coaching supervision. And um, so we learned, I learned a lot from her about different approaches that you can do with a client. And sometimes, like everybody, I beat myself up for, oh, I should have said this or I shouldn't have said that. And, you know, the other coach I have, Michelle, is based in Los Angeles. <laughs> And she's my business coach. So it's how do you grow your business? What do you offer? How are you building your coaching practice? Uh, are you working with executives? How do you market? What are you doing? You know, um, have you looked at internal coaching? So there's so they're two different coaches on two different complete aspects. One is skill-based and one is business-based. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's interesting because so the coaching world is becoming very segmented as time goes on people are finding niche business coach supervising coach um, it's always been that way from when i studied in the i got my coaching certification in the united states and when i was studying uh i was uh in the u.s they're already specializing so one of the coaches I was studying with, she has specialized in eating disorders. Um, that's all she does. She works with people who have got eating disorders. Um, another coach out of New York, she only works with brides. That's mm -hmm. it, brides. Which um, is a great idea. And she's done royal weddings and she's based out of New York. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Then there's. Um, Somebody else works with children as a coach, but with animals, horses. Mm. So there were already people back in 2010, 2011, that were already, 10 years ago, that were already specialising in particular coaching areas. Um, what I have noticed as a coach is the increase in corporate coaching that the HR directors want to check that you're certified and accredited. Yeah. So particularly with the International Coaching Federation. So for some senior executives in large corporations, unless you are a PCC or an MCC, so that's PCC is a professional certified coach or an MCC is a master certified coach, which are... Um, honorees or whatever that the International Coaching Federation gives you when you've done so many hours and so much coaching and all the rest. Mm. So a lot, some HR directors won't work with you or won't put you as one of their in-house coaches unless you've got these certifications or qualifications. Which makes sense because it's part of the risk management. You it know, is. It's very sensitive but coaching. Ten yeah. years ago it wasn't like that. Oh, wow. So do you think that's just come in the last couple of years? Yeah, I do. Uh, and I think also what's really changed is the difference between mentoring and coaching. Yeah. And that's not very clear. 
not. Like we, so, if you get it, you get it. But if you don't, it's confusing. So it's so maybe talk easy. to us about the difference, actually. It is quite easy. So um, as I said, so you've got the therapist who tries to heal the past, the friends who will give advice and support based on how they think you should be living your life, and then a coach is someone who tries to move you forward to achieve the goals you want to achieve. A mentor is someone who is an expert in a particular area that you want to achieve in. So always think of the word mentor as the master and the apprentice. So let's say um, you want to sit on boards. So what you might do is you might get an executive director who sits on a number of boards to mentor you to get you on boards. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and what's the difference? Okay. Um, in the, 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 the coaching relationship versus the mentor relationship? The, the difference is that the mentor will more often than not direct you. A coach won't. A coach, which is what I did, is I asked you some hard questions. I didn't say to you, well, you need to write a letter to these three companies. I, said, I would say to you, well, what do you think you need to be doing to achieve this goal? The coach believes that you have the answers within you. We just have to pull it out. A mentor will, based on their expertise and experience, will tell you what to do. Mm. That's, you know, that's a lot of people on, who listen to this may disagree, but that's just a, yeah. a rough framework to enable you to understand the difference between mentoring, coaching, and when you experience it, you really know it is vastly different. It is. So as, as a marketing mentor, you'll tell people, you'll say, well, this is what I would do, you know, or uh, in digital marketing, you'll tell people, this is what I think you should do if you want to become an expert in digital marketing or whatever. A coach will say, if your goal in coaching is to become uh, an expert in your field, a coach might say, well, what are the things you need, you feel you need to be doing to become an expert? Who's your role model? Okay, what are they doing that you're not doing? You know, mm. they're very different questions to, well, this is what I think you should be doing. Do you know, what's your advice on someone who's considering becoming a coach and um, what, what questions should they ask themselves before they even go into the training and, and, you know, that next step because there's so many people becoming coaches that the, someone was telling me this training school is inundated with how many people are signing up doing coaching really? courses. Yes. Really? Massive, massive, massive. So there's this big influx and she actually, this per, uh, person described it as the, it's a bit like the shiny red car that everyone wants because they see it as a, a, the channel to flexibility and a flexible life, but it's a it's a business that you're building, and it's when you see successful coaches, they've been doing it for 15, 20, 25 years to get to that level that they want to get to. So they want it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? <laughs> I don't know if we do because you miss out on all the good stuff if you get up too quick. Um, yeah, yeah. But what what you know? What would you say if? Um, Someone was thinking, yeah, I want to be a coach. Then I would get them to. So the journey that I did is when I started my co uh, consulting practice, there were a lot of consultants. So I started my practice in an economic recession. Uh, to, uh, 1992, we were in the recession. Yeah. But we had to have, I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, there were a lot of consultants because a lot of people had lost their jobs. A lot of ex males were setting up consulting practices here and there. And I was just finishing my MBA at the time. And I thought, well, how do I compete or how am I going to be strategic in this market in order to compete effectively? And one of the things I realized is I needed to find a niche and I needed to become an expert in that niche. So what do experts do? They speak, they teach, they write, um, 
all of these things. And that's what I did. So I started, um, I was very lucky, um, blessed because I picked up my business went from zero to profit in three months. So, but I was working from home and I ended up over the span of, um, 20 years working for fortune 500 companies, the top Australian companies, all in the area of competitive intelligence, because there weren't that many people in Australia doing it. There still aren't compared to Europe and the U S. So I did a lot of travel. I sacrificed a lot in travel to learn when I got certain awards and got acknowledgement internationally of my expertise. And by the way, my vision said, I wanted to be the leading, run a boutique consulting practice uh, as experts in the field of strategy and competitive intelligence. And I gave myself, I think it was 10 years. So my vision was for 10 years out. So I think it was 2002 or something. Well, I didn't get it in 10 years. It took me 15 years. But the difference is it was no longer the Asia Pacific region. I'd become a global expert. So my vision was small uh, mm. in that I said Asia Pac, and I didn't realize globally that I could do it all, but it took me a little bit longer. So once I got the, the awards, I said, well, what am I going to do now? And I love working with people. So I then did a postgrad degree in counseling and didn't want to be a counselor. And because I didn't want to work predominantly with women, which was my, you know, I have a passion for working with women and women business owners. So then I said, okay, coaching. So again, it came to how can I differentiate myself from my competitors? So there were two things that I learned from a strategic perspective. And this is what we need to be each aware of that if you want to get into coaching or if you want to get into any business, you need to understand how are you going to differentiate from your competitors. And so for me from coaching, there were two things that had to happen. The first thing is whatever course I did, it had to be accredited with the International Coaching Federation. So it had to be recognized because I knew that way would let me into the corporate arena as a coach. Secondly, it had to provide a unique coaching tool that I could leverage to differentiate myself from all the competitors out there. In 2010, when I was looking at all the coaching programs, there were only six in the world that solved those two issues a unique tool and ICF accreditation. And so after much reflection, much research on the tool and everything, I ended up doing the coaching program at the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. They had a program out of LA. So I flew four times across to do the course. It took me a year and a half and I became a certified, but that's when I also ended up as a master practitioner in the energy leadership index, which is a unique tool. So there's only about two of us that I'm aware of, three of us in all of Australia that have that tool, but I'm the only one I believe that actively uses it with all my clients. And it's a tool. You've used it. You've seen the difference. Yeah. It's, um, um... It's amazing. It's an amazing tool because not only is it about the way you think, but it's also quite helpful in your development and spiritual journey to grow. And you know what? It, um, it shows your measure versus speculation on transformation. Yes. Um, I know transformation is a big word, but to actually have a measure that shows change especially in a coaching program. I mean, you can feel it intrinsically, you know, you've had development, but to see it again, it just reinforces that, that, that confidence in the decision that you took to actually engage in a coach like yourself. You know what, what would be helpful is just to explain the energy leadership tool. Okay. That's, that's easy. So in essence, coaching is based around the principles that what you think creates how you feel 
And as a result of how you feel, you'll behave in a certain way. But it all starts off with the thinking. So as a coach, if we can help you develop your thinking around particular goals or issues or blind spots, you will change the way you feel, which will change the way you behave. Now, the Energy Leadership Index is based on the principle that there are seven levels of thinking. Okay. The first two are called catabolic. And catabolic is uh, thinking that is draining, resisting, uh, limiting, and levels three to seven are anabolic uh, energy type thinking, which is thinking that is uh, growth-oriented, fueling, expanding, and so forth. So what the Energy Leadership Index does, it looks at how much you have of all seven levels of energy in your life when you're, as usual, you know, normal. And then it looks at what you do with your energy when you're stressed, and then it gives you an average resonating level. Because when someone says to you in the morning, let's say you have a fight with your children in the morning, you're going to be very catabolic. So negative when you get to work. But someone will say to you, Celeste, that was a fabulous piece of creative work. Love what you've got. Love working with you. Well, you're going to move from catabolic to anabolic backwards and forwards. And so at the end of the day, you have what's called an average resonating level. So the wonderful thing is that we can identify where your thinking lies predominantly. And so as coaches, even though you might say, oh, I don't think so, you know, I'm fine, you know, everything's great. I know that's not true because of your answers. And so I can say, so explain to me a little bit more about what you think and where you're going. So that's how you really feel or, you know, I can challenge questions. So it takes you, to, it allows you to go beyond the surface. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you do that, you run that tool at the start of the coaching and then after someone's finished your program. At six months, yes. Yeah. What are some of the results you've had with the well, um, people that have gone through and, and... Nearly everybody, well, everybody I know of has changed for the more positive Every person I've done it. So I've done it now, oh, I'd say nearly 200 people. And everyone from where they started to where they finished has shifted as a result of the coaching. So their thinking has shifted. Um, the longer you coach, the bigger the shift from where you start. Um, but sadly, the people who need the most coaching are the people who don't do it. Mm. so Did, go on you know um can you can you once you have the shift can you go backwards yes you can absolutely so i have had one client go backwards and that is often because of an issue they're experiencing at the time they do it so Let's say, so you're coaching someone to start off with at the beginning of their program. So they're doing the coaching. Yes. Then they go and they've, you've done six months of coaching with them. They do it again. And they've improved. They're more anabolic. They've got less negativity in their thinking. They're more positive. They're growth focused. But then they may experience something in their lives that has now come up something new that's challenging them and that may bring their energy down because they're not talking it through. Mm. Yeah. So yes, it does happen. I think the power too in coaching is having someone that actually doesn't know you, you know, that don't come with a bias, you know, your, your family and friends, every, um, they know you in a different way, but when you, uh, work with a coach they don't have the history about you so they don't have any bias so um the as, as a client speaking to a coach it's it's a it's a relationship that doesn't come with the, the baggage yes but the the role of the coach celeste is to never judge the client 
no matter what. So, um, and how do you do like that's how do you leave your as a coach leave your biases at the door? You know, even police so easy. I, I find that e okay. So, number one, I have to say I, I've done uh, a fair whack of therapy. So, I've done a lot of work on myself. So, I'm aware of my shortcomings. But when I coach someone, I'm hearing their story. It's like reading a book or watching an autobiography, you know, uh, or watching a movie about somebody's life. And what, you don't, you just don't, you're present to that person and their issues and you want to know more. And it's like, you know, when I coach someone, it's like reading a living book. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And so for me, it's, I want to turn the next page. Tell me the rest of the story. Oh, and, and how did that come about? And what was that? What were you thinking at the time? And, you know, that to me. And uh, I just enjoy living books. I love people and I love hearing their stories. So for me, I try to be present to that other person and because for me it's like reading a book. Um, well, what do you like? Biases don't come in. This is going to be hard. Read. I don't know no, if you can answer this question, but what do you like better, the, the, the strategy and competitive intelligence or the coaching? Both. Yeah, I, like I thought you would answer that way. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I love both. I mean, it's like you, you know, what do you yeah. like better, you know? digital marketing or or run you know run partners or me after work what do yeah, I, both. I feel like it's me splitting half yeah exactly okay so if um what should someone if they're looking for a, a coach look for you know what's i have a lot of people that come to me and say celeste i need a coach can you give me some recommendations can you send me a list of coaches okay i send them the list great but what should they take from that list or when they speak to coaches or have these discovery sessions or whatever, whatever they do, what do you think is a couple of things that can put them in the best direction to then choose a coach that's going to have really the best, question. best outcome? Yeah, really good question. And it's a very hard question to answer. But the first one is always make sure they've got the accreditation. Simple. Make yeah. sure they are certified and accredited. Why is that so important? Just to one-liner okay. here. You asked me about biases. Mm -hmm. As a trained and certified coach, I have been coached and I've coached a lot of others. So we have been trained to limit our biases. So when we start coaching, so to do, just to give you an example, to do the final exam, um, we have to coach someone who's an expert coach and they will give us feedback. They'll say, you focused down this path, but what about this? You didn't ask about this or, well, hold on. That's a leading question. You were leading your client down. It. So you start, when you get trained, you are constantly coaching others, they're coaching you, and you're being mentored as to how to coach, what are the skill sets, where you can't cross the line. Um, so, you know, when I go, when I, when you're passing, when you do the exams and all the things, you have to coach an expert and they'll tell you where you're going wrong um, and what you're not doing correctly. Mm, yeah. So, that that's important because a lot of people think, oh, well, it's just listening to somebody. No, it's not. You know, you've got to listen to them, but you've got to help reframe some of their thinking. You've got to help them. Um, there are a whole lot of exercises you can do to help them think about things. Um, and listen to not what's actually not being said. Correct. Correct. So, that's why I say the first thing is 
that someone's been trained properly because for example one of the things i learned in coaching is you never ask a, you try and avoid asking why questions oh okay why do you think that's so celeste i'm going to ask you that question why do you think it's important to try to avoid why questions Maybe because it's too ambiguous. Okay. The reason why, and this is what's really interesting, is the reason why is because a why questions you will answer from your head. A what and a how question or any other type of questions you'll answer from your heart. So if I said, what does that feel for you? What do you feel when you talk about that? as opposed to why did you say that? So think of the difference. That's good actually. You know, people, the why is quite big. In but that's the whole point. If you're trained in coaching, you're going to try and avoid. You've learnt these things. Yes. So you don't ask, I'm giving away tricks here, but you know. No, that's okay. If I ask you, uh, why did you say that versus what does that make you feel when you say that? I've asked you the same question, but one will come from your head, the other one will come from your heart. And I want it to come from your heart because I, that's what you work on. I, all right, this is good. Why the heart, not the head? Because from the heart is where you're based, is where your change occurs. When you talk from logic, you'll give me logic back. And what I'm trying to do is change the way you're thinking about things, your values. Hmm. That's heart-based, not logic-based. And the correlation with the energy leadership, do you see that uh, when more decisions are heart-based, your energy... We choose, we choose. So, you know, um, it's hard uh, not to go into the levels uh, when discussing this because your listeners won't have won't know the levels but the levels of energy you choose are a choice why is not about a choice it's about logic and cold hard facts and while the what is yeah what was i thinking what did i want to gain from it all of a sudden it opens up far more than why mm. so in your question you asked when looking for a coach the first thing is the accreditation because there is a whole series see this is what gets me a lot of people you can't practice as a counselor and a therapist without certification and qualifications and studies it's the same with coaching you cannot study and be a coach without having studied all the different modalities of coaching and frameworks and psychology and you know there's there's a whole lot of things you tools that you can use but you need to know where you want to sit and how you want to sit as a coach but going from the other end the coachee how do you know who's a good coach when you pick up the phone and talk to them, does it click? And it's as simple as that. See, the most important thing in a coaching relationship, it, it, for coaching to work, is the relationship between the coach and the coaching. Mm -hmm. That's what makes the coaching, that's what makes therapy work, that's what makes friendship and work. What's, what's part of the relationship that you know, that makes it work. It's, it's the, the sympathy or the empathy between you and the coach. And the trust. But that comes over time. So mm. the trust, uh, non-judgment, but it starts off. All of these elements totally agree, form the relationship between the coach and the coachee. But... To start off with, how do you, your question was, how do you choose a coach? Mm. And my, question, my answer is accreditation first. Secondly, 
that there is an empathy on the phone or when you meet them, that you feel they get you. Mm. And then um, do, do you ask them about their experience and the different tools that they have? Like, It doesn't make a much difference. As long as there's empathy to start off with, and then over time, as you feel trust in them, you feel they get you and that they're in your corner. Mm. You know, that, they're, they're the key. The key thing, what works always, what creates the whole thing is if the coach provides and you feel you have a safe environment to talk mm. to the coach. I always also think to connection and relationships obviously good but also for me it's that window um of growth the potential what's so, um do you know when you're in in the company of someone and you know that they've had more experience or they have a deeper understanding of something and you can grow in their company yes like it, they open up I the capacity that. yeah so it's hard to actually articulate, but it's it's kind of the, it's a vision of the relationship. That's how it's going to help you. And it's a feeling like you have, oh, actually, this could really enrich. I don't know okay. how, I don't know why, where, whatever, but I feel like that there's something to be gained here. But I think that's part of the empathy that you build with that particular coach. Yeah. Okay, so... Maybe the next question is, um, why does someone or should someone consider co coaching? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, they're, they're good. You're, you're, you're asking some doozy questions there, Celeste. You're very good. Um, we all have goals that we'd like to achieve. Okay, most people, I will say, have goals that they would very much like to achieve. The issue is that often we get in the way, our own way of the goals. So with a coach, the issue is how do you get yourself out of your way to achieve the goal you want? So if you have any thoughts about achieving something whether it be a gold medal at the olympics to writing a book to starting up your own business what or have children you know get on ivf i've had women who wanted to go on ivf that was a goal you know any of those it's broad okay having a coach help you focus on achieving that goal and getting out of your own way and what, that is when you need a coach what about the realization that what you wanted is not what you want anymore that process because you would say that coaching. yeah that's in coaching the goals that's that you think you want actually as time goes on they're not in, in alignment with you correct correct and but that will come as a result of the coaching it won't be what will drive you to a coach the thing that will drive you to a coach is you're sick to death of something and of not getting what you want and you want someone to help you get there. And that's, that's, that's what a coach does. Now, whether that goal is right or not, you will uncover that in the coaching relationship mm. through your coaching sessions. Do you see um, stigma still around coaching? No. no. A lot of senior executives have coaches i think the older generation yes they have a stigma against coaching but i think in australia in america they don't you know every man and his dog has a coach you know you even have coaches for dogs called dog whisperers and all the rest but in australia i think we're pretty good with a coach because we're such a sports loving nation and every sport you know have got coaches anyone who goes for any medals in the commonwealth games olympic games whatever they've all got coaches and it's interesting 
So the coaches don't have to have won a gold medal, right? But they know how to get you out of your way to get that gold medal. Mm-hmm. So they're there to hold you against all the issues that come around as you try to create that gold medal win. So, you know, that's the best way in Australia I've found of explaining coaching is vis-a-vis the sports analogy because we have, you know, NRL, any teams, football, you name it, you know, any team have got, and any sport, netball, whatever, have all got coaches. Mm. And why wouldn't someone not even consider a coach, do you think? Like, there are, yeah, you know, there are two specific reasons. Number one is costs. They don't have the funding to pay for a coach. And without a doubt, the better the coach, the more expensive they are. That's, it's known, okay? It, it's standard. But I think also if people have a victim mentality that I can't win, I lose, they'll never go looking and paying for a coach. Why bother? They're going to lose anyway. So the first lot is that anyone who feels they're a victim of things generally feel powerless. So do not see the value of coaching because they feel powerless. Mm. So they won't get a coach when, in fact, they do need it. The second lot are often people who are angry. They don't recognise how angry they really are. And, and they'll go like a bull in a china shop and just think that if they bully people or if they, you know, knock things down and knock things, they'll get their way, you know. So they're also, they're the second type of people that won't get coaches. And they're the ones often that need it the most because they're bullying people around them, they're angry at work, or even though they don't seem angry, there's an underlying aggressiveness. But I think then you've got people who are more spiritually evolved, who don't need coaches because they're working on themselves. They're reading books. They're talking more spiritually with other people. However, I've learned that there are always issues that you need coaching with Mm. because it's an ongoing self-development program. Yeah, yeah. Where where do you think the world of coaching is going to be the industry in the next five or ten years? Even go further if you like. Um, You know, I could say something. I'm always worried that neuroscience and artificial intelligence will cross at some stage and uh, we'll start talking to our robots, will be our coaches, on, or AI will be our, our coaching. Um, because the, there'll be things that they'll know that spark in the brain and, and everything. And, and I think that's 20, 30 years down the line. <laughs> Um, but where will coaching be in the next five years? I think it'll just be the same as it is now, but more of it. Mm. And I think more people will become coaches. I don't know how many people will be certified or have the experience to coach. Between you and me, I'm always concerned when you've got 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds claiming to be coaches. Why? Because it's something you said earlier. You know when you speak to someone, they've got the experience or they can help you get those goals. A 22-year-old, 25-year-old hasn't had the chance to live the life. I can understand them coaching high school students. No problems there or targeting teenagers or young adults. No problems. But I think to start coaching people who are looking to move, who are in their 30s and 40s, looking to move into careers, uh, directorships, I have a real um, concern that, you know, they're not going to have the depth of questions 
Mm. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I think the younger ones definitely, I think, have a great opportunity to work with um, students. What do I do at university? How do I blow? What, what is it that I want to achieve? Absolutely. But I think it's what you said, Celeste, that when you go to a coach to have someone expand will help allow yeah. you yeah it's um it's kind of like i don't know how to um yeah it's mm. yeah so it's it, exactly it, that it's i'm trying to think of another example but it it's kind of the balance between like a mentor and a coach even though they're coaching but to have that that experience or that but i do believe that you know, even someone that's older might ne not necessarily be a better coach than a young someone that's younger because I think people I agree differently. Yes, um, and you know, some fifteen-year-olds are wise. Do you know? I'm not uh, just as a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why I'm saying you need to have that empathy. If you want to choose a coach, make sure you have that sense of empathy. Mm. And that's, you know what, Babette, you hit it on the head. That's why we started speed coaching. It was just to ascertain a connection. Yeah. Um, I met you so randomly and hand on my heart, I would never, ever, ever would have thought of coaching. Never. Um, but it, everything fell into place in that couple of minutes. And here we are seven years later. <laughs> but I introduced you also to Aurora, remember? She was there, she ran a very large company and she was someone I coached and mentored when her business was starting up. And yes. When we caught up, I think she was, her business was now turning over a, a, a hundred million dollars a year. That's right. And I think that's what started you thinking because I introduced her and she, we're talking about coaching and mentoring and business startup and all of that. Mm. But the, yeah. So it was like an escalator, honey. We oh. met on an escalator. <laughs> I love the story. I just love the story. You were going down and I was going up and I had my hand out and you liked the ring I was wearing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> such a good story um oh, things are meant it. to be you know become such a dear friend you really have you know it's been such a love yeah ditto ditto we've got 10 minutes left so i'm going to ask you some questions about yourself in your even before coaching what what were some of the big realizations and aha moments that you've experienced and it could be something that's even happened the last 18 months. You know, you had some big change yourself yeah. um, moving into but, state. Yeah, but I think, I think for me, Celeste, one of the big things was that has happened is accepting myself. Um, it's, it's a very hard journey and I, I don't think we ever really accept ourselves a hundred percent fully um so i know i'm a workaholic um and i really have to be very strict if i want to take life into account but then i think the other big thing is i've learned to give myself a lot of permissions that i never have and if i had to say the number one thing i've really picked up over the years is a result of my therapist and that was how to self-soothe a lot of us don't know how to self-soothe so remember when we worked together we talked about the gremlin a lot of people don't know how to talk to that voice in their heads that says you're no good you can't do this you're going to screw it up again you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and learning to talk to that voice, to let yourself be. So I'd say I'm a lot calmer. And so these are big emotional things mm. that I've learned. Um, business and wise, 
I'm sorry, but the learning process of acceptance or allowance, it's not something that happens overnight. Oh, God. No. Yeah. Talk to us about some of the things that help you um, because you know intrinsically that acceptance and allowance is a good place to be, yes. right? But the theory and the practical are very different things or even the knowing of it. Okay, so the knowing gets you okay. on the journey, on the train, yeah. but what are you doing to actually arrive? For me, I went into therapy. And, that's what, and it took a journey of, you know, people talk about, oh, coaching, my God, you know, to catch up one hour every fortnight or one hour every week. It's a lot. It's a commitment. Well, in therapy, I was going to my therapist twice a week for three years. And I think I cried nearly every session for the first three years, less one month. And it was at the end that, you know, the shift, I, I recognised where I was. And as I said, I'm sharing something very deeply personal was uh, the therapy. And um, I think it was the hardest journey I'd ever been on, but the best, the mm -hmm. most soul-revealing, soul-fulfilling self-love I could have ever done. And in that, why did you choose a therapist over a coach? Okay. Um, why did I choose a therapist? Because at that goals time, or... okay, because at, in the 19, early 1990s, late 1980s, um, no, it was in the 1990s I did the therapy. Coaches weren't that big. And so let me share a little story. Like a lot of people and people who listen to this podcast and everything, I read a lot of self-help books up to the wazoo, you know, of self-help books. And I did spiritual workshops. I can't tell you. I did, I've done past lives. I've done all this, you know, white light, all this kind of thing. And then I came across some books and I don't know why or how these books jumped at me and they were called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. A lot of people have read them, some haven't. But these spiritual books shifted me dramatically and I realised that most of my life I had lived in fear. I had come from a fear base. And I didn't want to live that way. I wanted to come from a base of love, of caring, okay? And I knew the only way I could change that fundamentally was to change myself deep down. And the only way I felt I could change myself fundamentally was in therapy. And that's why I went and I'd done the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So I went to Mary McGuinness, who ran the Institute for Type Development. And I said, Mary, I want a female. So number one, I wanted a, a female therapist. And I wanted a therapist that had business experience, but was also an NF, which is uh, a feeler. Uh, so. And she found me this woman, Janine Wilson, who was a godsend a darling and a godsend. And she was a woman who'd been a barrister and realised she was a round peg in a square hole and then became a therapist, qualified. She specialised in psychoanalysis, very Freudian, and, uh, but she knew Jung and all of this. And uh, we started working together. And it was the best thing. And because it started because I did not want to keep living my life based in fear. And how did you realise that you were living your life based in fear? Through the books, the books I realised. Yeah. When I was reading the Conversation with God books, one, two and three, it was like, you know, my soul just sucked it up. Yeah. I, I couldn't read the books fast enough for 
there was a yearning that it, I can't explain it. You know, it was amazing. How many and that's people, what I realised. How many people do you think lived their life in fear? I'd say, um, look, all the people in level two. Sorry. So what's, what's level two? Um, I win, you lose. Uh, okay. Level two, level three. Level two in the energy leadership index is the world we live in. Mm. I win, you lose is fear-based. It's about scarcity. Mm. It's about Security. fear. Yeah. And we know that the majority of the world that we and the world of business and the way it is, look at politics. And the economy. Look at, yeah. look at politics. You know, look and at why is that bad? Okay, just as an individual, right? So why is scarcity bad? Sorry, why is I if I'm living in fear, um, I win, you lose. What's the next um, level up from that? Is I win and hopefully you win too, as long as I win first. <laughs> What's the actual difference though? Because it's actually a big step to move out of that I win, you lose. Uh, look, it's about acknowledging the rights of the other. So mm -hmm. now it's not about you being the centre. It's about acknowledging that there is another. Yeah. So level two is very self-centred. I win, you lose. It's very angry. While level three starts to acknowledge, hold on, the others may have a need. Mm. And, and that energy. Sorry? Like, there's a noticeable difference in energy yeah. and the and feeling of someone in yeah. a level two, uh, level three versus a level two. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm sorry for your listeners, they don't know what <laughs> the difference is, but that's the energy leadership index. It's about the thinking. And um, at level, what they call level three, it's, it's you start to acknowledge that there are other people. Mm. It's not just about you. It's acknowledging the other. While level two, it's all about me. Me, 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 me. I win. Mm. So very different. What what's what are some of the patterns that you see in people coming to you that are looking for coaching or just in in yeah? Do you see some consistencies? And I, we don't, I don't need a read on the different clients or anything like that, but overall, overall, are we, is there more similarities in people than we think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the similarity is that anybody who comes to coaching and gives me their goals, every one of them has got in the way of achieving their own goals. Their thinking has got in the way of achieving their own goals. That's the, the big commonality, the big commonality. And interestingly enough, it's also the big commonality spiritually. People who want to develop spiritually, often it's your own thinking that gets in the way of listening to your heart or listening to your soul. Um, and it's that's a big shift changing going from heart thinking to the heart heart decisions versus thinking, you know, head decisions. Yeah, well, we live in a society that's all about engineers, accountants, lawyers, logic, okay? So here we are with scientists. If you can't replicate it, it doesn't work. You know, we are a scientific-based world where the question always is, Prove it. Mm. That's the head. That's got nothing to do with the heart. Mm. And coaching is about your heart. Okay, so let's leave on um, that note. Give us a couple of tips to make decisions from the heart, or how do you how do you engage your heart 
in your decision making more? It, that's a that's a really hard question. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Look to engage your heart in a decision. I think get out of your own way and get a coach. Mm. In all honesty, because you can't. You have your own biases. You have your own assumptions. Your interpretations. You may have limiting beliefs that are stopping you from getting to your heart and what you want to do heart work so get a coach yeah and you know in our conversation i've told you what to look for so yeah so for me get a coach sorry that's great that's biased. a good answer <laughs> no because you do, we do have blockages and we don't we're not even aware of them and until you start unblocking or you know yeah. You can't, you don't even have the traction behind that to, or the momentum, yeah. And I think coaching, actually, it does build a momentum in a different way that probably, well, I hadn't previously experienced before coaching. I know. Yeah. But, but you know, I love you. Thank you so much. And we could speak Thank for another three hours, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this has been fabulous. And any, I don't know if you want to say anything before we leave, but... If anybody, I'm assuming that uh, you'll have my website and yeah, contact details. Contact me. I'm here. I'm yeah, here. lovely. Thanks, Bebe. Thanks, Celeste.